It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. And the topic tonight, Wise Guys, Unlocking Hidden Wisdom from the Men Around You. So this is going to be an interesting conversation. I think sometimes men can be a little too prideful to actually, you know, ask for help and get wisdom from others. Uh, our special guest is Ken Evans. He joins us, and his book is backed by uh, Albert Moeller, Dr. Albert Moeller, the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Not a bad endorsement. Ken, welcome to the program. Hey, Michael, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yes, and tell me about your affiliation with Dr. Moeller. I mean, he doesn't back everybody, and uh, being, once again, the president of the Southern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary, what's the affiliation with him? Do you have friends with him? Um, I once bailed him out of jail. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> we actually have a very close friend in common, and um, I have done a lot of work uh, alongside the Southern Baptist Seminary, and so um, we have a number of friends in common, and, and I've spent a fair amount of time there on the campus. Yes, and asking people for help. Uh, you mentioned, you know, men don't ask for directions uh, very often. Many, many times we have a I'll do it myself, an independent mentality. Uh, yours became, I guess, uh, through the brokenness of your, your parents' marriage, and that really set things off. On a journey for you, which I found interesting, because we could either go one way or the other when bad things happen. We can, you know, put our head in the sand. And for you, you were on a journey to find wisdom from other uh, men. Tell our audience a little bit about that. Yeah, and I would love to take credit for just re reacting to that scenario in a way that was productive and positive. But initially, I did not. And I went to a counselor, and I was angry and frustrated and the counselor, you know, let me vent for a few times, and then he finally said to me something really profound. He said, Ken, I think I've figured out part of your problem. And I said, what's that? And he said, you know, you cannot become the un-something. And there was this pause, and I thought, un-something? And I was looking quizzical, and so he elaborated and said, your brain does not know how to not be something. And so I was I was so focused on not ending up in the situation that my parents ended in, That's that's all I could – articulate was that focus of I won't be there I won't end up like that and he said you know you you can't do that and I said well uh, what's the antidote and he says you need to find men who have what you want and you need to learn what that is learn why you want it and start to build a picture of who you do want to be when you grow up because if if you run from something and, and, and maybe some guys listening or ladies listening tonight uh would can relate to this, and that is uh, if we run from something, it's often the very thing we end up becoming. Just psychologically, mm. we twist ourselves into that thing we, we try to run from, and he, he really counseled me out of that. So you're all over the place. Now, what does it look like when you go to a church and you're invited to speak, and uh, do they implement your, your ministry, your program, or what are some of the comments that people make? Because not everyone is investing in, in wisdom where, you know, it's really male discipleship. Yeah, I mean, I hear some of the same things kind of everywhere I go, right? And one of those things is <clears throat> that a lot of churches really want their men to be more engaged at every level, from volunteering to being good dads to uh, mentoring the next generation and so forth. I hear a lot of churches talking about wanting men to be more engaged, but paradoxically, I see more churches and more environments where the women are kind of running the show, and that's not a, a negative comment on 
the, the leadership of women and, and their role in the church. It's just that a lot of guys aren't stepping up and a lot of pastors are feeling that pressure. Uh, because when what's what we're finding now, the, the amazing thing that we're finding now is we're kind of on the on the 40 or 50th year of some of the worst track record for, say, fathers in the home that our country's ever been on in terms of all the statistics that we gather. And what we're finding is that when dad's unplugged, uh, kids go crazy, way yeah. more so than if mom's unplugged. And moms are almost never unplugged, right? They're much more responsible than most of us guys. And so when dad unplugs – it's very bad for society. It's very bad for the church. It's very bad for the family, and we're seeing all these statistics now. So that's the kind of thing that I feel kind of God has called me into this space, not to go and say, hey, I'm a perfect dad. Look at me. I do it all right because I surely do not, um, but to encourage dads to get in the game. I mean even if it's imperfectly, right, if, even if we're going to just blow it, and we know we will, but it's better off to be engaged in the game and making those mistakes than to be disengaged and doing something else. Yes. So how do you facilitate all this? How do you reach out to people? What does your ministry look like? In other words, what is your pitch? <laughs> what what we want to do, and, and there's kind of two different components, and, and, and it's sort of two sides of maybe the same uh, coin. One side of it is we really want fathers and sons engaged together because it's almost like uh, you know my kids love Legos. I'm, I'm in a part of our house where I'm almost surrounded by Lego bricks. Um, and if you look at the, the the big plate we used to play with in Legos, the big one-foot square that we would build stuff on, that foundation is the relationship between a father and a son. And, and most guys who are 30, 35, 40, 45, and a lot of statistics would bear this out, who are coming to the church are coming to the church for the first time in their family history. And so you've got a lot of guys who are 25, 30, 35 years old. Trying to become a godly father, trying to become a godly husband, but they did not grow up in an environment where they had an example to follow. And what that's creating is it's creating a dynamic where we're just out there floundering. You know, guys are just, they're trying, they, they have an intent. It's like Paul says, the heart's in the right place, but the flesh is in the wrong place, and we want to. So that's part one is I would love to have fathers engaged with the discipling of their own sons. And then secondly, on the other side of that coin, I would love dads to come together. And, and strengthen each other, and not even just dads. Like, it could be men in general, but I'm not a pure men's minister. I'm more of a father uh, guy, and so I, I really want dads to come together. I was just with about 15 dads last night, and we were talking about technology and the challenges kids face when they start getting cell phones and iPads, and it was a really productive discussion, and guys were talking about what they did wrong, how they did it, how they messed it up, how they did it right. And it was uh, enlivening and really strengthening to hear guys sharing those experiences one to another. Amen. I like the way that you uh, lead in your book. I mean, it's really with a lot of humility because you're not shy as far as drawing out uh, your own shortcomings. And it's one of the charm <laughs> behind the book where, you know, myself and that's why I was just kidding about the ADHD. But, you know, you're you're able to really be upfront and uh, and humble and very transparent about your your failures and, and that it wasn't the end. And, and in fact, it helped you grow. I think a lot of people can appreciate that to, to lead with that type of humility. Well, I think we've become a culture where if you, if you fail, you know, then you're a failure <laughs> and you may just grind you down like a mortar and pestle till you're just dust. And you, and, uh, I, I'm just trying to learn that, you know, I've that old adage, right? Failure is an event. It's not a person. And so, when when something happens in my life where I fail, I failed last night. 
uh, I, I did something that, man, I hate when I do this, and I did it again. And I just came home kind of dejected and thought, man, oh, day. And then I thought, you know what? The scripture came to me. God's mercies are new every morning. And I was reminded that my hope is in Christ. My hope is not in my ability to get it right all the time. And, you know, you, you saddle back up and you start out again. Mm-hmm. And so you have people, you know, fathers and sons uh, connecting, obviously having a biblical conversation and growing. And who are some of your mentors? I mean, are you still on that manhood journey? <laughs> uh, I was kidding with my son the other day. <clears throat> we were getting out of the car and I at a at a Lowe's and I asked my son to carry something. And he said, Dad, will you carry half of these? And I said, no, man, you can carry all those. He's 12. And so he was carrying these things back to Lowe's. And uh, he said, why do I got to carry them? And I said, because you're on the manhood journey. And he laughed and he said something else. And I said, now, Jonathan, what you should have said back to me is so are you, because at the end of the day, both of us are still on the manhood journey. He's 12. I'm 46. But at the end of the day, I'll be on the manhood journey till I die. And um, absolutely, I'm, I'm surrounded by guys. I have a board of directors. I have a growth and development board. I have some really close friends, uh, one of which I was with today at a Starbucks. And, you know, we do life together. We, we talk about our struggles. I was sharing today with a friend of mine, Will. I was sharing about a, a relational problem I have with another guy. And I was just like, what do you think, man? Give me some feedback. And uh, and this guy's younger than me. He's, he's not like a wise, sage, old mentor, but he's a really sharp a uh, Bible-loving, faithful guy, and I love to get feedback from other guys on my life situation. It's For me, it's like a lifeblood. It's fun. Yeah, and I can't imagine all this working, this manhood journey, unless people are willing to be that transparent. I'm sure that's part of maybe even some of the growth. You know, They say that revival even takes place if someone just humbles themselves or yeah. just to be truthful like that. And, and you know, I should say, even in the church, and unfortunately, a lot of times we really don't want to put it all out there and so uh, you I could see our catalyst here and this manhood journey is saying hey I'm the first one to uh, you know to flop here but the, this is what I learned from it and I'm not ashamed to connect with other men I and not to do it all yourself I guess that's the hardest part right yeah and I think you're exactly right and I think for me one of the challenges is we, we try to parent out of our perfection. And say, look, I'm doing it exactly right. Do it just like I do. But you know what? What I'm finding is when I blow it with my kids, and I, and I do regularly, once a week at least, I do something. I go, man, that was just – I got to go back and apologize. And I'll go back to my boys and I'll say, guys, you know, dad should not have yelled at you. I really should not have yelled at you like that. And they'll say, oh, that's okay, dad. And then and then what I'm, what I'm starting to learn how to do, Michael, and I'm not great at it, but I'm learning, I try to use that opportunity to point them to the gospel. And I will say, hey, guys, dad shouldn't have yelled at you. And they'll say, that's okay. And I'll say, now, listen, remember something. I am imperfect. And like Psalm 106, don't put your trust in men. Put your trust in God Almighty. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not ever going to treat you the way I treat you. He's not going to sin against you. He's not going to be inconsistent. He's going to be consistent and always loving. I will not be always loving. He always will be. So for me, my failure opens the door to a gospel-centered conversation if I'll take it there. Yeah, it's almost like you're the Pied Piper, you know, with men, <laughs> uh, fathers and sons, bring them all together. I have like an image of probably like all the sons coming over your home, you know, because you're kind of like a surrogate dad. I mean, is do you ever get that where people are like, wow, I want, I want my dad to be like you? 
Well, I think we get it not so much about me, but we do get it uh, like across the groups. And what I would say, so for example, there have been several groups where um, you'll have six or eight dads, say, in a group and eight or ten boys. One dad has a couple kids, and one of those boys from you know Father A will listen to something Father B said, even though his own father said it ten times or a hundred times. Something about, you know, if you and I were together and you said it, all of a sudden my kid will come home and go, Dad, man, that thing Michael said tonight was awesome. And in the back of my mind, I think, yeah, man, like I said that to you 50 times. But for whatever reason, you heard it tonight from Michael because he's another guy and you don't see all his failings and you don't have to put up with all his idiosyncrasies. So awesome. I love getting my guys, my young men, my boys and others around other men because sometimes they'll learn a lesson from another guy that they just simply won't learn from their own father, even though it's right there for the taking. Let me ask you something, Ken. I mean, I've heard a lot of times that just because a dad doesn't say, son, I love you, you know, a lot of fathers don't show their own son's uh, affection or emotion or even giving them a blessing, you know, and uh, and then maybe later in life saying, you know, I just want to ask for God's blessing upon your life or pray a blessing over their son. It could be their daughter, too, but we are talking about dads and and sons and uh do you find some of the conflict they weren't treated properly by their dad and then it became difficult for them to to be a real man or to be able to be a a good dad or husband yeah i think it's a a double-edged sword and and one side of that is the, the young man who grows up without a father example you know my heart goes out to him um I had a lot I could learn from my own dad that was really good in terms of volunteering and hard work and money management and so forth. And this The deficiency I had was the spiritual side. He just didn't have a walk with, with Christ. I think I had a choice to make right in my 20s. I can either grow up and gripe about that my whole life and basically blame my whole adult failure on my dad, or I can go down a different path. And I, and I believe God really wants us to go down that other path. Like he, he, yes, yes. There's immense value in having a godly father who who brings us up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But having said that, God the Father is our Father, and He says He will be a father to the fatherless. And so we've got to take Him at His word. And if if you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s, you're listening to this, and you're still kind of stuck in the mud of your upbringing, you can overcome that. You absolutely can overcome that. Yeah, and then you have the other element, which is the wife. You know, they say, Kent, you're sure happy wife, happy life. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have uh, – just tonight, I was I was writing down a few things for, some, for a little project I'm doing for my wife, and uh, I was writing down 11 things about her that are uh, a blessing to me, and she is faithful and disciplined and – uh, giving and loving and these things, and in her I see I see the gospel. I see ex- an example of a godly woman, and it makes me want to be all the more the kind of man who could earn her respect and her trust and her love. Yeah, and then you know you get to that big word submission, right? And uh, which can open up a lot of you know doors or what have you. But you know when when a man is acting godly you know under the influence as you say of the holy spirit and and you know developing through male friendships and discipleship and good relationship with the son uh that 
let's just say another word for submission would be responsiveness, you know, to respond <laughs> to the man. And so, yeah. you know, that must be something that you see the fruits of your labor. All of a sudden, you know, men are, are growing and uh, they're building character, perhaps through your ministry. And then the wife is happy, too. Yeah, I kind of look at it like um, like d- deposits in a bank account. Uh, and that is <clears throat> my job, according to what I believe God has told me to do is to continually make deposits into the bank account of my wife because I don't see in Scripture, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it says the wife is supposed to give herself up for the husband. But I do see plenty of places that talk about how the husband is supposed to give himself up for the wife. Jesus is the husband, the church is the bride, and I, and I see that model over and over. And so the guys who come to me and say, hey, I really got a problem at my house with submission, <laughs> uh that's usually code for I personally as the man am somehow not living a godly life. And you've got to be careful. That's not always true. But um, so far, it, it, when, I've, when I feel it in my home or when I've talked to buddies who've had the same situation uh, where they feel like a primary issue in their life is their wife will not submit to them, usually, usually there are some easy fixes, and it's called work the husband needs to do. So you're kind of like a male mechanic. In a way, you know, you're dealing with uh, the parts that don't work sometimes with people, oh, character, and so forth along your man, you know, the manhood journey. You know, uh, Naboth in the scriptures? Yes. Yeah, Naboth, uh, they said, was a churlish man. And I'm sure that, in, in sometimes I'm sure that in your ministry, you're dealing with people where they don't want to be vulnerable, that men have spent such a long time putting up walls and fronts and facades that, yeah. uh, you know, thinking they're strong is really how they've gotten through life. But you ever get some men who maybe walk out of, of a group saying, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to, I don't want to let myself, uh, you know, let go of that type of control and power. Do you ever get mad at you? Um, not, not mad at me. I think, um, I mean, maybe some have, right? Maybe they go out in the park. Maybe they go out in the parking lot, and uh, or they're on social media, and I don't know about it. You know, you never know. Uh, I remember when I was getting married, I saw my preacher took my wife and I to lunch, and he drew a diagram, and he had a pyramid, and he drew me at the bottom left of the pyramid, and my wife at the bottom right of the pyramid, and uh, at the top he drew God, and he said, "Listen, don't worry." about you and April trying to get closer together. Don't worry about it. Just try to get closer to God. And what you're going to find is as you do that, accidentally, you and your wife get closer together. There's something that you can say, look, man, I understand your wife is not responding to you the way you want. I get it. Uh, however, however, let's talk about how you're being as a wife because you're called the wife in Scripture. The church is the bride. And you are the bride. How are you doing? How, how are you doing submitting to God's will in your life? How are you doing submitting to his commands in the scripture? How are you doing with that? And usually that gives all of us guys plenty of stuff to work on. And then all of a sudden we cannot start worrying about exactly what our wives are doing wrong. Yeah, and I mentioned the same dynamic plays out with, uh, let's just say, a father and son. You know, I think of that Cat Stevens song, Father and Son. Cat's <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, in the cradle. Yeah, Cats in the Cradle, a Harry Chapin, another one. Uh, and it's really 
the, one of the most important relationships, that father and son, and, and it could set the tone for a person's entire life, how they think of themselves, how they treat women, and uh, your book certainly is very important. Wise Guys is the name of the book, Unlocking Hidden Wisdom from the Men Around You. Our special guest has been Ken Evans, and uh, the book, by the way, is really well endorsed by Dr. Albert Moeller, who's the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, I just want to say that, you know, you have such a, a nice way of writing, and it kind of tickles your funny bone even. Uh, are you surprised that, that people get that reaction? Because um, it, it made me feel like, you know, this guy kind of knows me in a way. And uh, it's a nice, well, uh, nice gift to have. You know, if, I, if, if, we're, if we're having a cup of coffee... I'm not comfortable unless somebody's cracking a joke. And that's both a strength and a weakness. You know what I mean? Sometimes it brings walls down. Sometimes I got to learn to be a little bit more serious. Uh, so I'm glad that the writing comes through where people can enjoy it. And I, I hope that there's also a point in there that's worth grabbing. But I just got to have a little bit of fun, man. I, I, I don't um, I don't do well in super serious environments. Yeah, and I, you know, one question I wanted to ask you, if I could, I, I'd like to ask you when you think of the scriptures and, and as kind of a guide for the manhood journey or, you know, men, uh, fathers and sons, uh, where, what are some areas that you could point us in that direction? For me, I look at, um, <clears throat> I think if a guy, and let me just say in my, my own personal story, as I have fallen in love with God's word, Things go. Things have gone well for me, and that doesn't mean I've had no problems. It just means um, I can usually track for me, Michael. Like if if I don't read God's word for a few days, you give me forty eight to seventy two hours, and I'm going to be a jerk to somebody. I'm going to lash out. I'm going to raise my voice. I'm going to be the worst p- version of myself about two to three days after I did not get in God's word. And so for me, for the for the guy who really wants to fall in love with God's word. Go to Psalm 119. Just go to Psalm 119 and read it top to bottom, all the verses, and then say to yourself at the end, God, help me love your word like the psalmist loves your word. Because I think that's the beginning. I think that is the the, the nuclear reaction that begins. And when that one begins, it's, it's catalytic. And I think that if we love God's word, uh, and we allow it to wash over us. So Psalm 119 is a place I love to spend time. Uh, sometimes I'll go through a period where I'm reading God's word because I'm supposed to. And it, it just I, I'm not having a love affair. I'm just having a, a ritual. <clears throat> I go back to Psalm 119. And I just say, God, mm-hmm. man, would you please restore my heart for your word? Restore my heart for your word. And then as it relates to doctrine, I go to Romans. And as it relates to wisdom, I go to Proverbs. Yeah, we put a shout out here to fathers, sons, wives. Stop arguing for just a minute. Go out and get Ken's book, uh, Wise Guys Unlocking Hidden Wisdom from the Men Around You. And uh, things just might work out. And, you know, we appreciate leading with your wisdom and teaching us, as God says, you know, it's the most important thing that you could go after. And uh, thank you so much for your ministry. I hope uh, people go out. Where can, where, where can people buy your book? On the book, they'll want to probably dive into Amazon and just go search for Wise Guys or search for Kent Evans, and they'll find it with no trouble. And then uh, on our ministry, they can drop by manhoodjourney.org. That's manhoodjourney.org. Kent Evans, Wise Guys, thanks so much for being on the program. God bless you. My pleasure. Thanks, Michael. 